0: We thank you and bless you for your goodness to us. Thank you for this season and all that it represents. The birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To give us hope uh, for the future, hope for tomorrow, Heavenly Father. To give us an assurance, those of us who, by your grace, have opened up our hearts to receive him as our Lord and Savior, to give us an assurance of our salvation, Um, to be there for us, Father, uh, to guide us by your Spirit, to to protect us, provide for us. The list is endless. We say thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, please breathe upon your Word. Um, Let it galvanize us. Let it illuminate our path. Let it stir our hearts. Let it break yokes and lift burdens. Let it do that and more. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen and Amen. Um, in part one, just a bit of a recap. Um, the, 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 the two-part series is centered around the events that took place um, at the home of uh, Jesse uh, in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter. Um, it it's, involves... Uh, the prophet Samuel obeying God and going to the home of Jesse to choose for God uh, the new, who would be the new king of the nation of Israel. Um, and you know the story, um, we, we, we are conscious of time, so we won't go into details. Um, eventually, after a parade of uh, seven of Jesse's sons, um, none of them were chosen by God. Uh, and God spoke to the man of God. The man of God asked for if there wasn't any other son. um, Jesse now told him that there was another son. Uh, His name was David. He was looking after sheep, and they called for David. He was anointed, and that's really the background uh, from which we shared uh, the first part uh, of this two-part series. Um, I want to bring back to your attention, just so that you can make the connection, the things that we mentioned that were salient things. Of course, we first spoke about how God does not look at the externals or the, um, the external appearances of a person, but God looks at the heart. He searches deep into our hearts. He knows our hearts, and that's where He starts to make His choices. And um, We talked about the four things that made David a man after God's heart. By God's own testimony. We said he had faith in God. Uh, We said he loved God's Word. We said, number three, he had a heart of gratitude. And number four, he had a repentant heart. And so we want to go on to the second part um, of this two-part series, God Has Chosen You. And I want to read to you um, out of the Scriptures in 1 Samuel 16, uh, three verses, verses 10 to 13. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now there are just a number of things that we can see in this Scripture, or in those circumstances, that should challenge us and help us position ourselves to be that man or woman after God's heart. It's really one of the most encouraging scriptures um, that you can read in the Bible. I'm encouraged by the fact that man does not choose, but God chooses. It tells me that no one controls your destiny. Your destiny is not in the hands of any man or woman, Your destiny is in God's hands. You see, David was the youngest of eight sons. In his father's eyes, the other seven sons were better qualified to be the king of the land than David. It's obvious that David wasn't held in much high regard in his family. He wasn't even invited to the sacrificial feast. And you know, there might be someone out there who identifies with this. You're in person or you're online. And you identify with this where men or women have conspired to exclude you. Where you haven't been invited in. Where you're not even mentioned in the conversation. Where men have felt that you don't qualify. It's not for your kind. It's not for you. The encouragement we get is that once God qualifies you, no one can disqualify you. You see, your destiny is not in the hands of those men and those women, your destiny is in the hands of God. You might have been rejected by men or women, but your rejection does not determine your destiny. Rejected you might be by men, but beloved of the Lord you are. Definitely the Bible makes that clear. You see, the Bible makes clear that our call to our destiny does not begin here on earth. The Lord said to Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah the first chapter and the fifth verse, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before any circumstances here on earth, before the coming together of man and woman, mother and father, before all that happened, before you were a fetus, before you were an egg and a sperm, before all the biology took place, God says, I knew you. He says, you were already created in me. He says, before you were born, I sanctified you. I set you apart. I had an assignment for you. I had a call for you. And he says, I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. That was Jeremiah's call. But I want every single one of us to know that we have been ordained by God for something. David was ordained by God to be king of Israel, and there was nothing that happened in the natural that could cancel God's plans. Can I say to you that it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you, it doesn't matter how people conspire against you, it doesn't matter how people gang up, it doesn't matter how they try to keep you out, all those things are irrelevant what God has ordained for you will surely come to pass in the name of Jesus. And it becomes clear as we read these scriptures that there are so many life lessons for us to learn. You see, we must know that God is in absolute control of everything. Sometimes when things go funny and pear-shaped and things fall apart, it looks a bit chaotic. You might be tempted to wonder whether God has lost control. Can I tell you that God is in absolute control? He is ordering your footsteps. Nothing is wasted. Everything is working together to fulfill the plans and purposes that he has for your life. Can I encourage someone not to despise your circumstances? You see, keeping the sheep was a servant's job, but it was assigned to David. He could have sulked, he could have grumbled, he could have had a bad attitude, or he could have been careless with the assignment that he was given. He could have said, this is a lowly assignment. I want to do more. And sometimes we fall into that trap where we are going through something. We are giving something. We find ourselves in a place. But instead of being diligent and, and, and giving it attention and care, we grumble, we complain, we sulk, we have a bad attitude, we are careless with what we are given. We don't realize that where we are is training ground for where we are going. David understood that. And let me tell you a few things that we can glean from David who understood that really He was being trained for his future. The first thing we glean is that by being a shepherd, he had time on his hands. Time to think. Time to ponder. Time to reflect. Time to meditate on God's Word. Time to worship God. Time to pray. And if there's one strategy the enemy has, and sadly it is too successful, is to make sure that you and I don't have the time and don't have the wisdom to use the time wisely. The Bible says in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and the 15th and 16th verse, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The psalmist would say, teach us to number our days that we may live our lives right. You see, there is something, there's, a, a, there's, a, there's wisdom, the application of knowledge in understanding the significance of time, protecting the time you have, and using, as the Bible says, the time we have wisely. The wise person walks circumspectly, is careful, is thoughtful, is reasons it out. The wise person understands that, Time is not endless. At some point, time is going to run out. The wise person understands that life is in seasons. The wise person understands that windows open for a season. The wise person understands that because God is everything, God is our foundation, that the wise person gives the best of his or her time to God. You see, David understood that. You can actually imagine him spending the time whilst the sheep were in their pastures meditating on God's Word. Is it any wonder that he wrote Psalm 119 for us? Verse 15 of that chapter of the psalm, he, he says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. Is it any wonder that he wrote some beautiful psalms of worship Because he had time for God and time with God. He obviously must have had time to pray. Is it any wonder that the Psalms is the deepest book of prayer ever written? We have to understand that we must create time. We must protect time. And we must give the best of our time to God, and the pursuit of God. The Bible says the person who does that is not a fool, but is a wise person. The second thing, from those circumstances, was that he had time to see God in creation. You see, because he was there with the sheep. He looked at the pastures, he looked at the hills, he would look up to the skies, he would observe the animals, the birds. Is it any wonder that a lot of his writings is wisdom that is gleaned from the animals or gleaned from nature? You see, because creation speaks boldly and clearly about the awesomeness, majesty, and power of God, but the question is are we listening? Have we become deaf because of the deafening noise of all that is around us so that we can't hear creation speaking about the awesomeness and the majesty of God? David spent time observing God's creation, enjoying God's creation, seeing the handiwork of God in all that was around him. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalms 19 verses 1 to 3. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament show His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The whole of nature is speaking. It is revealing the awesomeness, the majesty, the power of God. Just by sitting in that class and observing nature, observing the oceans, the sea, the trees, the handiwork of God, the skies, the birds, the animals, just having the presence of mind, To pull ourselves away from all the many things that are distracting. To to try and find nature in the midst of this concrete madness that a lot of the world has become. To get away from devices that are supposed to bless us, but really have become snares and distractions. And then to see God in his creation, you'd be amazed as to how much it would speak to us about our circumstances, about God being able to do what we are believing him to do. The Bible says it utters speech. It reveals knowledge. You see, they spoke to David, and they revealed the knowledge of God to David. Is it any wonder then that he writes for us in Psalms 23, verse 1, verses 2 and 3. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He understood what he was saying. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. A lot of us need to find green pastures, still waters. And we find them amongst other places as we Enjoy his creation. You'll be amazed as to how, how creative your mind can get when you take a walk and observe his creation. You'll be amazed as to how you can silence the world and hear his still small voice when you are in the midst of his creation observing these beautiful things that he has created in nature you'll be amazed as to how they speak to us. You know, and I would like to encourage us to to do so. Let's let's force it because we need it. Let's force the circumstances. Create them. Get away from those things that are distracting so that we can enjoy His creation and allow His creation to speak to us. The third thing that those circumstances help us understand is that David was a shepherd and so he understood God as shepherd. I really think that if we could really understand God as shepherd, I think a lot of the anxiety, a lot of the worry, a lot of the fretting, a lot of the fear, would simply dissipate from our lives. Just understanding God as shepherd. He says in that famous psalm, Psalm 23 verse 1, uh, and, and this sentence says it all. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. You see, because he understood how he took care of the sheep. He was their shepherd. He led them Let them out and let them back in. He understood that in the same way that I lead them out, I'm watching out for them and I bring them back home safely. Then no matter what is happening, the Lord is my shepherd. He will lead me. He will guide me. He will take me out and he will bring me back safely. He understood that because he was a shepherd, He understood that the same way that the sheep are not the ones who find the pasture that is green. But it's the shepherd who directs them to the pasture that is green. He knew that if I can do this, a mere mortal for sheep, how much more will God not do it? For those created in His image and His likeness, His children... The apple of his eyes. Surely God will do that and even more. He understood then that God will lead me to green pastures. That God won't just leave me to roam around lost, desolate, looking for where to pasture. That God, it will, it, God has made it his responsibility to find green pastures for me. He understood that the same way that he would fight and protect his sheep to make sure that none is lost. He understood that in the same way, God of course, the all-powerful God, would protect his own and make sure that none of his own is lost. You see, he understood that God was his shepherd. And it wasn't like his life was a bed of roses. Oh no, there were times when all these things that he understood were tested. As he fled from his own son, a fugitive escaping for his life, he must have kept saying to himself, I don't know what is going to happen. I don't know where I'm going, but the Lord is my shepherd. Spending time in the cave of Adulam, Knowing that he has been anointed as king and should be in the palace. Looking around at his surroundings and it had no resemblance with the palace whatsoever. Hearing the lies of the enemy and doesn't he continue to try to sow those seeds in our minds. Where is your God? How come... Nothing has come of your service. You've been a volunteer in church for so long. Look at your surroundings. Look at others. I guess he must have said to himself, I don't know what is happening, but the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Hiding in the forest, hiding in the mountains, forced to live with the enemy to save his life and the life of his men. Everything must have seemed confusing. But one thing he knew, knew, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I just pray someone would hold on to that, irrespective of what is happening. That the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. The shepherd will feed you. The shepherd will protect you. The shepherd will guide you. The shepherd will find the best pastor for you because the Lord is your shepherd. And the fourth thing was that he built what lawyers would call a body of precedence. There's a doctrine in law, we kind of learned it in law school, called the doctrine of precedence. And What this means simply is that there's a custom in the legal system where the courts stand on previous decisions that have been made and really have no room to maneuver. In similar circumstances, they are bound by the decisions that have already been made. They must decide according to those decisions. And they call this the doctrine of precedence. It's been decided, so you have to decide in similar circumstances along the lines of what has already been decided. And this really is what should help our Christian walk: That we build a body of precedence. In 1 Samuel 17 verse 37, David said, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. What was he saying? God has done it before. He remembered the encounters when the lion came for the sheep and the young boy fought the lion, not in his own strength. He knew that. But in the the strength by the grace of God, and killed the lion. He knew it wasn't him, but it was God. When the bear came for the sheep, the young boy fought the bear and killed the bear. He knew it wasn't him, but it was the grace of God. So when he saw Goliath, precedence kicked in. The God who did it with the lion The God who did it with the bear is the same God and is surely going to take down this Goliath that is blaspheming his name. And it was with that boldness that he went into that battle with Goliath. I find it remarkable how the young boy rushed towards this giant, emboldened by precedence. Can I say to someone, I know you're facing a challenge, but would you just cast your mind back? He's been there for you before. He took you through. He brought you out. He protected you. He made a way. Cast your mind back. Build a body of precedence. The God who did in the past is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know, you don't even have to build precedence only in your own life. That's the beauty of testimonies. Look around you. Read the testimonies in the Word of God. You have enough precedence to know That the God who did this in similar circumstances is still the same God, your God today. And he can do the same and will do the same in the name of Jesus. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And the enemy is not going to truncate that plan and that purpose. He said, the God who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. I wish somebody would say that. The God who took me through. The God who saw me through. The God who overcame for me. The God who made a way for me. The God who healed me. And if you don't have a personal testimony, well, why don't you find one in the Word of God? The God who did that in the Word of God. Or did that for someone that you know. God has shown himself mighty in so many ways. He's not about to change today. That same God is the same God that I am telling you, if you hold on to him, is going to see you through as he has done in times past. You know, they say God's help in times past is a prophecy of his help in the future. His help in times past is a prophecy waiting to be fulfilled in in your future that he will help you. You know, the last point I wanted to mention is that his past was training ground for his future. He was trained to fight Goliath. His past battles were training ground for future battles. Someone says, I've been through so much, Pierre. You don't understand. I have fought battles. Someone says, I've fought beasts at Ephesus. Well, congratulations. Because it tells me that you have been prepared for war. It tells me that you are a veteran. You're battle-hardened. And it tells me that no matter what the enemy brings, you've been trained by your past battles and victories to overcome whatever the enemy brings your way. The fearlessness with which David confronted Goliath. Remarkable fearlessness that he displayed was instilled in him in the battles that he fought with the bear and with the lion. And someone might be fighting some battles now and wondering when this will end. You're being trained for your future. You're being prepared for your future. You're being taught how to fight because there are one or two fights ahead. And so, Go to school, learn what you have to learn, and you will overcome whatever the enemy places in your path. And as I end, I think about the shepherd and how the shepherd would leave 99 of his sheep and go in search of one sheep that has got lost. In a natural sense, it doesn't. In a natural sense, it it makes no sense. Why are you leaving the ninety-nine in the pasture or in the pen? Why are you so troubled? Why are you so? Why? Why? Why will you do anything to bring back that one sheep that is lost? And you know, we've seen read stories about how. The shepherd will find the sheep. Maybe the sheep has, has hurt himself or herself. The shepherd would put the sheep on his shoulders and lo- lovingly bring that sheep back to the pasture. Tend the sheep and help the sheep to be restored to health. It's a beautiful picture of the heart of a shepherd. But it also points us in a way, paints a picture of the the shepherd, our, our, our Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. What would he not do for one sheep that is lost? Someone says, what? I said, well, he's already told us. He paid the ultimate price. His son died on the cross for all the lost sheep. He would do anything to get us back into the pasture, his pasture. And for those of us who have come back to his pasture, aren't we so grateful that we are part of his family again? But there might be someone in church, in person, or someone who's worshipping with us online. You haven't come back to the pasture. You haven't answered the shepherd's call. He's come to get you. Don't harden your hearts. Just open up your heart and allow the shepherd to take you back home. He wants you back in his pasture. If you're that person and he's knocking on the door of your heart, why don't you open that door today? I'd love to pray with you as you welcome him into your heart and allow him to take you back home, back to his pasture. If you're that person Why don't you just say a simple prayer that unlocks the door of your heart and allows Jesus to come in to your heart and into your life. Will you say this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus. I thank you for being my shepherd. Today, I open up my heart and ask your Son, Jesus, to come in and be my Lord and Savior. I give my life to you, Heavenly Father. I promise Almighty God to live a life of obedience to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, if you said that prayer commitment to turn away from anything that is sinful and live a life of obedience, welcome into God's family. You've opened your heart and received Him in. He has become your shepherd and He's leading you back into His pasture. Welcome into the family.